0: life lutheran podcast where new life in christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the christian life with excellence thanks for listening today you can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com you can subscribe on itunes apple podcasts spotify and google play music if you have any questions for pastor eric or would like to suggest the topics for our podcast you can email pastor eric at
1: erik.anderson at nlutheran.com. The Christmas Gospel, Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor in Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea. ...to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his beloved betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger... Because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds in the f- field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of a great joy that will be for all the people For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and singing, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those who with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told unto them. The gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well,
0: tonight, I step into a challenge. I step into a challenge because I'm going to talk about a story that you've already heard before, haven't you? Right? If you come on Christmas Eve, we talk about the same story every year. You're kind of used to the pattern right now. If you didn't figure that out, now you're starting to figure it out, right? It's the same story every year. Now, this is a challenge as a pastor because I have to share the same story with you and make it more interesting than the year before, which means I have 2,000 years of history that I'm competing with tonight. But this isn't a judgment, right? This is just a reality. We all operate like this. When we hear the same story over and over and over again, it can kind of become vanilla, right? We can kind of doze off a little bit. We can kind of just kind of our eyes glaze over and things like that because we've heard the story before. And it's not just church. This happens everywhere. I bet you during the Christmas season, you probably have a favorite Christmas movie, don't you? It might be Elf or Miracle on thirty fourth Street. Maybe it's Die Hard. Snuck <laughs> that one in there. Yes. You know, it's one of those Christmas movies and you love it and you watch it year in and year out, but it's the same story, it's the same plot line, you get it. But you pull it up on Netflix, you pull it up on Hulu, you maybe you pop in a DVD or a Blu ray or something like that. And then you get in your comfy chair, right? You're a lazy boy and you sit down to watch your movie. But then you get distracted, don't you? You're playing on your phone. You're talking to some family member who's there. Or maybe you just fall asleep. But when you wake up or when you reconnect with the story, you don't rewind it. You don't start it over. And the reason you don't is because you know the story. right? You know the plot. You know the storyline. You know most of the dialogue. You could repeat it if you wanted to. So you just kind of zone out. You just kind of disconnect. It's very normal. It's very natural. So tonight... I don't want that to happen, okay? So I'm going to take a big risk tonight. I'm going to tell you a story that you have never heard before. A story about me that you've heard, never heard before. A story about me that you've never heard before because I probably shouldn't be telling you, okay? So I need you guys to lean in because I think God has something special to tell you guys this evening. So here's the story. It's back when I was in college and I was dating this girl. All right, right now you guys should realize I'm taking a huge risk. You see what I said? I didn't say back when I was dating my wife. I said back when I was dating this girl, I am literally putting my marriage on the line tonight for each and every one of you. So you have an amazing Christmas Eve experience. So this is what happened. It was my birthday and she was planning a birthday party, but here was the problem. We were not the same at all. She was very extroverted, right? So she found energy from being around strangers and large groups of people. And she just loved meeting people and talking to people, anyone and everyone. That was who she was. And here's where the problem began. Because when we develop parties and we don't know the other person very well, what do we do? We develop a party that we would want, don't we? And that's exactly what she did. You see, it was a problem because I'm more of an introvert, right? I like to talk to people but I like to talk to a couple people at a time about real things in a really dark corner of the room, right? That's more of my personality. So anyways, my birthday came, she came to my dorm room, called me out. I got in the car and she blindfolded me and then we drove around until I had no idea where we were. When she took the blindfold off, we were sitting in front of this massive, massive house. I mean, this person must've had a lot of money, but here's the problem. I didn't know the person. I'd never seen the house before. We should have thrown up my first red flag. I should have gotten out of there, but I didn't. We walked up the sidewalk, this long, long sidewalk, and got to this massive oak door. And the door swung open. And what did I hear? Surprise! Happy birthday! I walked in. I scanned all of these bodies. I mean, massive humanity. Just bodies, bodies, bodies. People everywhere, right? And I looked around and I realized I only knew 10% of these people. And I'm not talking about like, hey, 10%, I knew really well, we were really close. I'm talking 10% of the people in there I recognized at all. You see, what she thought was gonna be this amazing celebration of my life became an amazing nightmare in my life, is how that worked out. You see, all I wanted was a silent night But instead, I got an uncomfortable night. As we dive back into the story that we're very familiar with, many times we kind of make it cute, cuddly, comfortable. And we even put the word silence on it, don't we? But that was really far from the truth. In fact, this is what scripture tells us. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. So as we step into this story, this piece of history, we step into something very uncomfortable. You see the Roman Empire had basically taken over most of the known world, which means they had subjugated a lot of people, including Mary and Joseph's people, the Jewish people. And so they did what a lot of countries do, right? They began to count what it will cost to run nations this size. And so they took a census. And the reason they took a census is because they wanted to know how many people live there to find out how many people they could tax. This was not a comfortable moment for Mary and Joseph or for anyone else because this foreign government was ruling over them and was getting ready to tax them. Well, this is what happened. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. So Joseph, he gets the word, and he does what the emperor says, because everyone's doing what the emperor says, because if you don't, you either end up in jail, or you get killed off. And Joseph does what everyone else does. He goes to where his descendants are from, which is... Bethlehem. Now you got to imagine what this is like, right? You can imagine what this journey would be like traveling 90 or so miles to this place where you don't want to go because a foreign emperor told you you had to, so he could count you and get ready to tax you. Can you imagine the conversations that were had on this way? It wasn't silent. It's probably loud because you'd be loud. I'd be loud. I'd be complaining the entire time. I have to travel 90 miles just so they can count me, figure out how many people are in my family, so you figure out how much they can tax me, so that money can go to a foreign government. I mean, you can't imagine. That would fill up the entire journey, just that complaining back and forth. I mean, this was not a good situation for Joseph. But he wasn't alone. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and he was expecting a child. You see, he had this fiancé that was coming with him, and she was pregnant. And not just pregnant, she was late-term pregnant. And she was traveling by foot, or by animal at best, 90 miles. And if she wasn't complaining about the Roman government, even though I hold Mary in high regard, and I assume that maybe she's better than the rest of us a little bit at least, you know she's going to complain. My back hurts. I'm dealing with this ache and pain, and they're just going back and forth talking about the woes of what they're experiencing because truly it is uncomfortable. Well, the story continues. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So they make it to Bethlehem And something happens, again, that's uncomfortable and definitely not silence. Maybe at best, moderately quiet. She gives birth to her firstborn son, but not in a hospital, not with medical professionals, not with an epidural, and not even in a hotel. It says she laid her son in a manger, which gives us a pretty good clue of where they were. It was a feeding trough. That means they were in a place where animals were. They were in a barn or a cave. It was not sterile, it was not comfortable, and it was not silent. Well, the story continues. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. So you know the story, so you knew the shepherds were coming, but this is really weird. Have you ever watched a TV show and you kind of fall asleep or you're drifting in and out and all of a sudden a commercial pops up? And you wake up in the middle of the commercial, and you don't know if the commercial is part of the show or not. This is what this is like. I mean, the story is continuing. We're talking about Mary and Joseph and this baby, and all of a sudden, we just kind of jump into these strangers, the shepherds. They don't know these guys. Why are we talking about the shepherds? Well, we're talking about the shepherds because God did something amazing with the shepherds. This is what happens. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. So these shepherds are out there. And if anyone's actually having a silent night, it's probably them at least for a moment. But then an angel shows up and a bright light shows up. And they're freaked out because you'd be freaked out too if an angel showed up right now. I would too. Right? They're terrified. And the angel begins to speak to them these amazing things that they can't believe. And then he tacks on this weird little bit at the end. He says, you're going to go into Bethlehem. And if you go into Bethlehem, you're going to find a baby lying in a manger. Not in a crib. Not in the hospital. Not in a home. Lying in a manger. This weird, obscure detail that would sound so bizarre to them, so foreign to them, but it was something they could put their faith in. If they could find this, then they knew it was true. Well, in the midst of their thoughts, more angels show up, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors." If they weren't scared enough, now a whole bunch of angels show up and it is loud and scary. But this is what they do. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So the angels leave and you can just see the shepherds, they, they make a little circle, they're talking to each other and they're thinking, Did that really just happen? Did you see that too? Did you experience that too? And then they remembered that little bit of information that the angels told them. Something that would verify their doubts. Go to Bethlehem, find a baby in a feeding trough. So they risk it, right? They risk it to see if they're crazy and they go into Bethlehem and this is what they find. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. So they walk in and they see something they did not expect to see, a little baby in a manger. And Mary and Joseph got visited in the moment of their child's birth, just after that moment, by a bunch of dirty, smelly strangers, not exactly comfortable, Not exactly quiet, but they have great news. The shepherds tell Mary and Joseph the story. These angels came, and they predicted we'd come to this town and see something that no one should see a child laying in a manger. And now we're here, and we see your child, and we see you, and we see it. Just like they said the child is laying in the manger. What happened is true. And Mary and Joseph were blessed by the shepherds because they're human. They had their own doubts and concerns, and this was a miraculous story, and is it true? And, and maybe we're just imagining these things, but the shepherds once again verified this is God doing something amazing. Well, the shepherd's story continues. When they saw this, they made known what had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. And the shepherds continued to tell more and more and more people, and then they traveled into the town. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So the shepherds leave Mary and Joseph, and they're telling more and more people, and then they're running through the town celebrating. And you can imagine all the people who are crammed in this town because of the census. They're not super happy about these loudmouth shepherds singing and screaming and celebrating. And they probably had more than one person say, be quiet. We're trying to sleep. But they couldn't hold it in. I mean, this was amazing. But when the shepherds left, we step into an amazing moment. We read this, but Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. It was a special, sacred moment. The shepherds had left. Baby Jesus was asleep. Joseph was snoring maybe quietly in the corner and she was just there with her thoughts. She was there with her silence and she replayed every moment of her life leading up to this critical moment right here. When peace came in flesh to live among us. You see, at the end of our service, we do something very special we step into this moment of peace that Mary was experiencing. And you see, the lights will go down, and we hand out these candles, and we sing Silent Night. And we light the candles, and we hold them, and it's a beautiful moment in each and every one of our lives. It's, a, it's an amazing moment of peace. But there's a problem with that moment. You see, the song will come to an end. The lights will go up, you'll blow out your candle, and you'll walk outside. And for too many of us, as soon as we exit that door, the peaceful moment that we just experienced in here for three minutes is gone. And it's not because we haven't tried. I mean, we have done everything to find peace in our lives. We went out and got that degree. We thought that would bring peace to our lives. And then we got that job. We thought that would bring peace to our lives. And then after that we got that raise, we thought that would bring peace to our lives and then we bought the business and then we sold the business. We thought all these things would bring peace to our lives. Then we added that comma finally in our checking account. And we thought, "Now I'll have peace in my life." Or maybe we dated that person we thought that would bring peace to our lives and then we got rid of them because we thought for sure that would bring peace to our lives. <laughs> and then we got married and then we had that child and we thought all these things would bring peace to our lives, but in the end we don't have peace in our lives. And it's not because we haven't tried. It's not because we haven't looked around. It's not because we haven't read those books. The problem is, we've been looking in the wrong place the entire time. You see, we're meant to look at a rough wooden manger. We were meant to look at a rough wooden cross, the place where Jesus was, the Prince of Peace, who came down to have a personal relationship with you, to be close to you, and to give you hope for your eternity, and to give you hope for your present, to give you peace through every moment of your life. And here's the thing. It's that relationship with God that changes your perspective on life. It helps you understand life through the lens of which it truly is. And when you do that, and you, when you experience a real, thriving relationship with Christ, it changes everything. It changes how you see the world and how you see your day-to-day and how you see every conversation. And when you do that, when you see the world like that through Christ's eyes you will experience peace and for the first time maybe in your entire life you will have a silent night